Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We're back, baby. It's the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. Josh Fisher, Alexander Tsopolis, DJ Nikki Snacks, Quieter. We're recapping Alabama, so get your horns up, because here we go. Horns up, talking Texas podcast. Many people think this is a win for Texas, and morally, it is. We covered handsomely. We were winning most of the game. We looked like the better team, all injuries considered. We're ranked now. We're ranked now. The first time since 97, a team that lost that was unranked is now ranked. Yep. Yet, we lost. We and we should have won that game. We should have won the game. We lost. But this does not mean the season is over. No. I hope not. Because Sark's biggest goal is to win the Big 12. And this has nothing to do with that. But if you win the Big 12, you're most likely running the table, winning all of your games, or maybe losing one game, and potentially getting in the college football playoff. We have we have less leeway now with this out of conference loss. Granted, it was against the number one the the number one team in the country, who's no longer the number one team in the country. Georgia, Georgia looks like the number one team in the country, and deservedly still they are. I don't even think they look like the number two team in the country. To be honest, you think Ohio State does? Uh maybe I think Ohio State. I think USC offensively at least. Yeah, they look good. Defensively, maybe not, but offensively, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't look at USC's offense and tell me it's that team is going to the college World playoff. USC, USC. yeah, USC. I would I would hope so. First of all, the Pac twelve is not good. Yeah, not good. I mean, they beat Wazoo, beat Wisconsin. So there's maybe maybe it's just the maybe just every year Wazoo is just always underrated and just always gets disrespected. Yeah. But the rest of the Pac twelve is kind of underwhelming. I agree. But let's. Go back to the horns. Yeah, we can talk college football. Because they, they can, I think they, I mean, of course we want them to win out, but I do believe that they can suffer one more loss. Sure. Not a bad loss, of course. Maybe an OU loss or, I okay don't know, State. OK yeah. State loss or something, close loss, and still make it to college football playoff if they end up winning the Big 12. Because they're going to look at that Bama game, the, the voters, or the committee, and they're going to say, Texas should have won that game. They lost by one point. We'd put them in. I think our fan base helps. Our pedigree helps. The strong desire for us to be back helps. We would need a lot of other things to go in our favor. We would need Wake Forest to lose a game or two and then beat Clemson. And Clemson not to win the ACC. 
or Miami. We need like the, the ACC to me is kind of tricky. I think with Miami, Clemson, and Wake Forest, we would need them to eat each other alive. We would need USC to fumble and lose to a team unexpectedly. We would need BYU to fumble as well. I mean, if that now team... we do need because they beat Baylor. Yeah, you know, double OT. We would need. I would if Ole Miss can lose and then beat Alabama in the Mississippi Mudslide on, on November twelfth. Can't forget that day. Then I think there's a lot of things that need to happen. Granted, it's a young season, so that's going in our favor. I also I don't think Georgia's going to lose a game, so I think they have a spot locked. The winner of Michigan Ohio State once again will go to the college football playoff, assuming Ohio State beats Wisconsin, and assuming my gut check that Michigan State's not for real. From our perspective, I mean, we're already talking about the CFP, as one does when they. Almost beat great, Alabama, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I, for we are the Quinn injury, obviously, because the offense was moving, and his deep ball, which we said wasn't good in the ULM game, looked fantastic in the Alabama game. But also, to Nick's credit, heavily unfeatured as well. Very good point. Which I think was intentional. Yeah, I sure. truly believe that Sark and the coaches wanted the scheme to be as minimal, minimally shown as possible so Bama has zero to no tape on Quinn Ewers. And it was a completely different scheme when they played Alabama. They were throwing a lot of down downfield deep passes, getting Xavier in the mix more, getting Whittington in the mix more, something you really didn't see against ULM. Yeah. Sh- you- showcasing the pass-catching talent that this, this, that this Texas team has. And- Imagine if we had Nader, too. Nate, yeah, wow. I mean, imagine if Sanders wasn't negated all game. They really took him out of the game. Right. But and like Billingsley, too, is suffering a suspension right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that... We've got reinforcements coming. Sure. So. Look, we, we all things considered, considering our QB goes down in the first quarter, considering we to go into the season, we lost our wide receiver 2-3, our starting guard, and then we also, you know, our QB 2 gets hurt. Like, Hudson loses a leg. Not like loses, loses a leg, but he's nah, going he peg leg. He wasn't peg leg. Oh, he was peg leg. He goes peg leg, yeah. I was going to say, it wasn't peg leg. He goes, sorry. He goes peg leggy. He's got one leg, so his throws, which are not which are already not great to begin with, are even worse. Right. His best ability as a quarterback, which is to run on his which is to move his feet and, you know, and create plays and break in the pocket, that's negated as well. Right. The injury showcased on that one first down run he had he where away. if he if he wasn't hurt. But that was gonna come out of the game. Oh, I thought he was gonna come out of the game, but if he wasn't hurt, he would have taken that I mean, there was room to run there. He he could have broken it off for twenty yards, twenty five yards. Absolutely. I, I I think that the I think if Hudson doesn't get hurt, we win that game. That's how that's how much our defense was in control. Once Hudson got hurt, our inability to move the ball to I mean, first of all, guys, we couldn't score in the red zone. We had that bad PI call. There was a point where it was thirteen ten. We go down to make it rather than make it twenty ten, we make it sixteen ten. That was a dagger because then they go make it seventeen sixteen. Yeah, we kicked the field goal. By the time we got to the fourth quarter, Toss and I have been arguing for now 72 hours, honestly longer if you consider last week's show, with Lamar Houston, great guest. Bryce Young was completely ordinary until the fourth quarter. He's not winning the Heisman this year. No. 
I think it, I think Bennett's going to win the Heisman. If they're the best team, if they're undefeated, and he continues to play the way he does. Yeah, another great game. Another great game. Stetson Bennett's going. Stetson Bennett's going to win the Heisman. Because there's Caleb Williams. If there's a game where Bennett kind of you know takes it off and is not, mm-hmm. doesn't have like a, it could come down to those two. Jordan Addison for USC as well, but I think, I think that Bryce Young was very pedestrian. All things con- for him, considering what he's supposed to be. I think that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Until the fourth quarter, when our defense had been on the field practically yeah, the whole second half. That also was when it matters most, right? The clutch time ability for him to make plays while they're down when they need to lead a comeback. Now, there were so many different things that you can point to in this game that I believe could have changed the tide, no pun intended. But a lot of it was undisciplined play by Bama. That was the most penalties they've ever had in the Saban era. And there should have been more. I think it was like 15 official penalties. It should have been 20. They missed the defensive pass interference, like we mentioned. They Horrible missed a miscall. bad face mask towards yeah. the end of the game, the fourth quarter on our last drive. They missed a huge hold on that big run that Bryce Young had to set them up for a good field position. I mean, those are three game-changing penalties right there. So you had that working against us. Of course, you had the the big drop in the end zone by Xavier Worthy. It was a tough catch, but, you know, you got to make that play. I mean, Quinn couldn't throw it in a better place for you. No, no he it was a great ball. And, I mean, and, of course, you got to point to the uh, the kick. The, the, at the end the of the first half. At the end of the first half by Auburn. And Chip shot. Look, I know he went out and he drilled the – the go-ahead kick later on, but still, I mean, that's an extra point right there. You cannot miss that. Whether it's a bad hold, bad stop or not, you got to make that in your sleep. And, of course, you went for Blair Walsh. Of course, one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my entire life. You guys had more views and vantage points than I did because I was at the game live and you saw it on TV, but the roughing the passer in the end zone that they, like, waved off, that should have been a safety. Should that have not been a safety? I just don't understand it. I was confused. first of all that the, fact, been two the, points the fact Texas. that they went to like the targeting, roughing the passer on Overshawn was a completely pathetic display of officiating. Officiating. Thank you for that word. Talk, well, you you were like Tim Donahue called the fake. You said you well, literally. I, ju- I I just watched that documentary. With you said that Tim Donahue was the NBA ref Nick that was throwing all the games mm-hmm. in like the early two thousands. Yep. Kind of seemed like uh, Alabama had a little Timmy been, D on had, been, had been paying their uh, the referees more than the seats were for all the the Texas fans. Sure, yeah. It's just that play is the I think epitome of the confusion and the lack of clarity that we have in football, broad stroke football, NFL and college football like in the rules. in in the rules of roughing the passer, how we treat the quarterbacks. When does the play like now all of a sudden we're going to let it go a little bit because he's in the end zone? I think in the NFL, as soon as he's in the hold, he's down and that's a sack in the end zone. It's a safety. Yep. And the reason why I think, you know, like we we're picking on it so much is because Texas wins the game if that if that's a safety. It's it's not only we win the game, but we we then get the ball. Yeah. Well, you okay, you get two points, right? Right. And then you get the the difference between of the of the win. And you get the ball back, exactly, which they could have scored again, right? Or, or, or keep keeping Alabama away from another touchdown. Well, hopefully, or, or hopefully killing some clock now, at least. I think the whole quarterback protection rules, it's always so subjective, right? Because if Tom Brady's wrapped up, they're calling it dead right away. 
But if Kyler Murray is wrapped up, they're going to see if he can get out of it because that's something he's able to do. Mm, but, right? but here's my point is that like but even when he was being so wrapped up he and he not throws it away, like where's that's like, a safety. That's intentional grounding. Right. Yeah. Because he's not out of the tackle box. And he didn't cross the line of scrimmage. And, the and ball. no one infringed upon his throwing arm in the motion. Like it wasn't like someone mm. hit his arm while he's throwing. Right. He just and that sig- out. significantly changes the trajectory of the ball. Call it I just, fumble then, I guess. Right. Call it something other than the, the call that they came to an incomplete pass seemed like a slap on the wrist of what it what should have been. That seemed like, like they, they met halfway or something. Right? Like, oh sorry, we blew the call. It wasn't it wasn't roughing the pass or targeting on Texas. Um so we'll meet you halfway. We'll call it we'll saw. call it uh, you know, just incomplete. I just don't know what they saw that they even saw the the how the how they even got to the targeting portion of everything was absurd. I think that referee was scared. You think he was shaking in his little boots? I think so. He was so close to the action. Those boys were flying. Look, I get it. If if like a defensive lineman is on a QB's legs, but he's still upright and he has the ability to like throw it to a safety valve and continue the play, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case. This guy is on his back. Like, there's no way anything positive can happen out of this play for Alabama. You're you're basically saying like. The nuances of the rules allowed Alabama to get the best possible outcome out of this situation, which is just like it, they could not have gone better for them. They, they completely they got they they not to mention they gave all of the Texas fans an absolute heart attack when we thought like our player might get yanked for targeting our best defensive our player, best defensive player yeah. who had a great game. That was who was incredibly engaged. Who we asked to be engaged. And that was in the third quarter as well. So then he would have had to sit out. Right for he would have lost him a half. Yeah, the first half of next week. It was the that and the obviously one major play that we're about to presume or I'm about to take us into the perfectly dialed up and timed like everything that that blitz on Ryan Watts had our new transfer cornerback from Ohio State that the miss safety. It was just the epitome and perfect metaphor for this game. Alabama slipped one out of Austin. They just did. Like Bryce Young slipped out of the grasp of Watts. They slipped one by us on that penalty. Like they, it just slipped. Everything has just slipped through our fingers and they slipped out of Austin with a victory. By the way, their kicker is really good. Yeah. He's automatic. Well, everything. Here's the thing their, their weapons, you were like, you're saying their weapons are not good by Alabama standards. Comparatively to the last five years. Exactly. They still have great everything, though. They have Will Anderson, who we're saying is like the best defensive player. They have Dallas Turner. He's good too. He he hits like a you know what. How good was Gibbs? Will Anderson was exposed that game though. He looked very undisciplined and he was kind of a non non factor towards the end of the game. He said it was the loudest place he's played, which maybe was true, but also a little bit looks like an excuse for him. He jumped off sides twice. Twice that game. Three times, I believe. He had three he penalties. He had he had the two offsides, and then he had the was it an unsportsmanlike conduct or roughing or something, or something roughing like that. one of the, one of those. Penalty. He just didn't have a good game again. Like he wasn't good against Utah State, and this is a guy that we were saying could be the first overall pick. I this is kind of an interesting just to kind of really scope college football really quickly. I think this upcoming draft, and then we'll get back into Texas, is going to be very is going to be a lot more interesting than people think. I think Bryce Young, to me, is less of a franchise guy than I thought. I think Will Anderson has looked not 
Like the surefire top. He's a redshirt sophomore, right? So is he presumably going to go to the league next year? Will Anderson? No, Bryce Young. Bryce Young's going to Yeah, he'll go. He'll go. Stroud will go. He'll go. Will Levis will go. Van Dyke on Miami. But like that guy Richardson on Florida, who everyone's like, up next Cam Newton. Under 50% completion percentage. Two picks. Then one of them was a bad pick six. Yeah. Like, say what you will. Like, there was no, like, really god off. Like, before Quinn left, and Quinn's gonna, Quinn could come back before OU. I think it could be a little smoke and mirrors and a little well, strategy. You come back for OU, not before. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the earliest he can come back. Yeah. We obviously, we have the UTSA game this upcoming weekend. We'll get into a preview with, of that game with Quan. He'll be back on the mic for that. Um, we'll, we'll get some thoughts on the Bama game from him, obviously, but. We've got we've got some business to take care of, Nick. Like you said before, we get to before we get to the Oklahoma game. Yeah, Sark's throwing a little bit of maybe smoke and mirrors. Maybe it's just straight truth like, bombs of, come, of where our players are injury wise and how yeah. fast they can come back. He said Quinn Hudson, Deshaun Jameson, and Bijan. Funny enough, all of our big playmakers are day to day right now. Five, There's dude. no way that Quinn yours is day to day. He's missing a few weeks of football, at least four weeks in my opinion. What if he? What if he misses UTSA? Fine. Yeah, of course. Fine. I mean, we we that with it. We lose that game. I'm going to put my head through a wall. Like I'll, you guys could point to the wall. What if? Don't get Brick too wall? excited. Yeah, sure. What if he misses the Tech game in Lubbock? They beat Houston, by the way. The backup who hasn't looked bad. We have West Virginia, West Virginia at home yeah. on October 1st. Who also looks terrible this season. They sucked. Sucked. Not good. They lost to Kansas. At home? Pathetic. So, we have that game. What if he comes back for that game? Game at home. What so if you're he... saying he misses two games? Two games. I, I, think, they're, I think it's going to be four weeks. I think, that's you think what he misses OU? I think that's what the initial report said. No, no. I, I, OU would be four weeks, right? Next week, next week. Yeah. I think he I think it I think he could get I He needs to be back for OU. We cannot be playing against OU without Quinn Ewers. No, because they're just gonna get better and better. Right. They're gonna get better and better. Like there's certain teams that'll there's certain teams that'll get better and better. Them, USC, once Michigan finally settles. Us? No, you think, you think we're stimmied a little bit because we're, of our yeah, quarterback? No, because like not everyone's clicking. But I do think well, I do think defensively. That, yeah, here's, I hope. Here, here's why I think people get better and better. A guy goes down. Well, look, I, I watched this the other night when Dak went down in the in the Cowboys and yeah. Bucks game, and I was watching MJD talk about it on NFL Game Pass, NFL Network, or Game Day, whatever, and he was saying from a player's perspective, when you lose your leader like that. You got to look for your other guys in the locker room to step it up. And obviously that's the easy answer to say, but in a sense where it's like, okay, you usually bust out for four yards. We need an extra yard. We need five yards out of you, right? Usually make seven catches in a game. You got to get eight catches in a game. Usually make six tackles. We need eight tackles out of you this game. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to turn it up an extra one notch. Every single position on the field and they need to be laser focused. Yeah. That's really how it's going to be until you get your leader back. And the other the other leaders need to be more vocal and they need to step it up. And you got to find where your strengths are. 
Keep Me. leaning on your defense, of course, right? Keep your keep your defense off the field. Keep on getting to the quarterback. Make them feel uncomfortable. Well, we, and we, put the ball in Bijan's hands. We we know that yeah, that's dude, obviously that where was tough last game. Where well, our leadership lies. We know that was gonna be tough. We did know, but I mean, he was twenty one for fifty seven. You you do have to you have to give credit to Alabama there on yeah. the defensive side of the ball. But, but their like front even, set, we knew their front seven was even be some ferocious. of the best running backs in the pros have games get like mitigated that. like that. that. Yeah. You know, when you go get a good D line and your and your O line's getting dominated, that happens. That's not on Mijon. He but did the, have a touchdown too. But the thing is, is we no longer have the luxury of being able to supplement it with excellent passing. Passing with with Quinn, who was absolutely dealing. But we do have. I mean, I look at our roster. And you're saying like, okay, want your your leader goes down, other guys have to step up. There's not to me like a guy I look at and go, okay, that's the guy that's going to step up and like make that projection. Which goes to show that we have, in my opinion, a ton of talent. A lot of guys. We have so much talent that like it could be Jatavian, it could be Xavier, it could be Bijan, it could be Roshan. Like, and Whittington. I wouldn't be surprised by any of those guys. And obviously, I think it Kane. really it could be Caleb Kane, who I I think is great. But I really like that. Like we have, we've got Coburn, we've got Overshawn on the defensive side. They have to be stalwart for the next weeks. While the Quinn entire D line, yeah, the entire D line. But they look does. good though. They did. Yeah, I thought. I Keep thought, it going. That's it's a motivation builder. Yeah, he, I thought Sorrell could have had a better game. I thought he could have. Yeah, but he had a good pressure. first game Ford, though. Ford looked good. Honestly, I liked what our DBs did. They they pretty much silenced the the wide receivers. All the main the majority of the passes that they were completing in the Bama game, where were they? Middle of the field. Gibbs. Middle of the it field. It was Gibbs out of the backfield. Right. It was out of the backfield, but it was we also just, it was also in the middle of the field, 10, 15 yards between the hashes. I mean, you take away that. I don't that, think we t- had a defensive I don't think we were prepared defensively for what he what he can do receiving wise. Well, he's I mean this is high praise, obviously, he's and a he, pro. he has a, he has potential to get to, but he he's Kamara esque in that way, where like he gets the ball, he's really shifty, yeah, in he, the air. He got open in the end zone, like I mean, Casey Kane had another one big reception, and I would love for that. I would love for him to take what Wait, nine now, now he's got what two catches for like seventy two yards. I just looked it up, seventy two total. Yeah, I was gonna say over a hundred. I I would love for him to be. What Nayer could have been. Yeah. I mean, we have so many pieces. And you know what? I will say, counterpoint to my disagreement with you, Nick. One aspect that can get better, our offensive line is going to get more and more experienced. So that'll help. And I think this is going to be by far their toughest, t- as good. And I think OU's defense is going to be the best we've seen in a bit, just because Venables is presence. But th- this was the toughest test they were going to have all season. And it was early. And if you can, if you can play solidly well, like they, the pass block was pretty good. Yeah, against Will Anderson, th- Dallas Turner, all, all those guys feel like they are one of the top teams in the nation. You went toe to toe with number one, so that's going to build you confidence to say, okay, we're as good as those guys. Because if we play them again, we can beat them. We could see them in the national championship, and we can beat them. We're confident that we can do that. But they also have to bring one thing that was evident whether we we were watching you know at home and we could hear how loud the stadium was shout out to all of our fans nick you were one of them in the stands attendance record over one hundred five thousand. attendance DKR. record and you check the decibel record i bet it was probably right there too it was it was, it was loud and loud we were the there we were hungry for a victory and i think the players were too like they were focused they were locked in they were competing every single down 
massive credit to the coaching staff, obviously. I think guys like Patterson have a huge impact on that, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we were we were focused. We we knew what we were doing. We knew what we were there to do, but we can't lose that now that we're not playing Alabama. And yeah, I want right us back at UTSA. That's right. And I think people will. I think that look, when this game was over, no one left their seats. We all we all stayed for the most part in our seats to do eyes of Texas with the team to see them back into the locker room. Everyone's throwing their horns up and cheering for them. They acknowledge that like people were not like in previous seasons walking mopishly out the gates. Like, damn, we're hung- I, everyone's hungry. Everyone was every excited. Other, every one of those games we were supposed to win. We people, blew. We people, were supposed to win these games. And you know what? UTSA, it's not a huge game, but I think the fans are going to react pretty well. And there's probably going to be, 80-plus thousand people there, 90-plus thousand people there. There should be. Yeah. Also, I have not been back to DKR since they've made all the full renovations. How it looks it? sweet. Sick. It looks so good. Because last year, we went to the... I try to go to game every year. I haven't, yeah, I haven't missed a game Dallas. since... 2020 was the only one that I missed because of well, COVID. Yeah, COVID. But we went to Dallas last year. Then yeah. I missed 2022 or 2020. And then 19, I went to the USC game. It looked really, really good. Yeah. The North End Zone is I mean, it looks good sick. on TV. The... Or south end zone, right? We'll see what happens from a QB standpoint. I was happy with what I the small bit we saw of Quinn. I mean, I was I was ecstatic. Yeah, I was on clock. Great, it was awesome. Uh, he looked like an NFL quarterback. He he really did. Everyone was saying that. Like those are those are the highlights that you show on his draft day. Right, like the pass that he makes to good arm to Xavier Worthy. The, and by the, the way, the who deep, had the, who the had deep amazing, out? Yeah, that was. He had an amazing catch, but multiple passes. They yeah. were just who's fitting him in the holes against top notch, first round caliber cornerbacks. Yeah, like Kool Aid like McKinstry, McKinstry might yeah. be a first rounder next year. Yeah, for sure, totally could be one. Also, a sick name out of his part. The issue was with the injury for Quinn, and I'm not. It's not Sark's fault. But I that was not a that was not a passing situation. I hated that play call. That play call was bad. The fact that we on first and goal, our best player still is our running back and got a little fancy and tried to pass. It was just a unnecessary play call. Yeah. Seahawks give the ball to Marshawn Lynch esque. Mm-hmm. Like to me I mean it's obviously like it's a lot easier for us to be hypercritical of it, knowing now that it was the play that Quinn got hurt. Yeah. But I'm I'm with you. I'm still with you. But like, now it's completely created a superstition in my mind. Seeing the Marshawn Lynch Super Bowl missed handoff. Bad things happen when you don't give it to your best player in best the goal line player. on first down. Don't just do it. Just you know what? Going forward, that's all I want to see. If you have someone I saw a report today, and this is with Saquon being back, that Bijan is the best running back prospect. Since Saquon Barkley. I buy it. Yeah. I'm just saying that's what it said. Well, that's what I I said. When If he was playing on, and hopefully we are becoming this type of program once again, which we were, but if he was playing on Ohio State or Alabama, he already would be there. Mm -hmm. He would be a... Leonard. I mean, Leonard Fournette was drafted fourth overall. Yeah, Sake on second. Zeke was what fifth? fourth, fourth. Like if you're Early on tenth. that program that's winning a national championship or getting to the college football playoff, 
you you get drafted there. Yeah. Well, you also go against better talent too. Every game is bigger. You, you, I mean, if you're in the SEC, you're playing against NFL defensive linemen every single week. I wouldn't say it's the same case when you're going up against Kansas and Kansas State. You know, sure, West yeah. Virginia. No, but at the time, like Vanderbilt and Kentucky, who's now ranked in the top ten, was not that six yeah. years ago. Yeah. The, I mean, Georgia, even Tennessee, Auburn. Even Tennessee well, has had lapses. Georgia, Georgia, Tennessee, Auburn, has Tennessee, South Carolina always puts out big defensive linemen. NFL prospects. Yeah, I mean. but that's like one guy usually though. They have like one guy like Kinlaw or like Clowney that's like dope. I I just I just all that to say, like, if if he were on I think he'd already be like a projected top ten and Josh, you'd be doing your thing where you, if he were on another one of these teams, you'd be like, But you can't take him. Which is the same thing. Like you no, can't take him in the top split, ten, but I mean, like we're talking we're no way. I mean, Josh and I are very adamant about not taking running backs in right, the first you, round. You're too tough. And if you're gonna do it, do it. I don't mind it 27 through 32. That's fine. Yeah. Well, if you have like three picks in the draft in the first round, too. Yeah. You just better not take Sonny Michelle over Nick Chubb. That's all I'll say. I mean, that was a mistake at the time. Why would you pick the second best running back on the team? Thank you. I know. It was was not good. Sonny Michelle, who actually looked pretty good for the Chargers. I I mean, Michelle's always had small, bright spots. For sure. Um, But I was like, as you guys were talking, just like kind of offhand, I was like racking my brain about places that could. Like where would Bijan fit? Like imagine, like imagining where he would go as a running back. Anywhere. Well, anywhere. But who who spends a first round pick? Which is the team that spends a first round pick on him? Is it y'all? Is it the Chargers? The Chargers can conce- conceivably do it. They need a guy to help Eckler out, so he's not the every down back. But they got Isaiah Spiller this round, this draft. Who I mean, they hope that he's that's him from Texas A&M, and mm-hmm. he's just been hurt. He hasn't played yet. But I mean, I could see the Cowboys going out. I was about him, to right? say, I, like, if, and just getting a, a fresh contract. Yeah, for yeah. But the Cowboys may be picking in the top fifteen. True, that's true. I, I mean, who's the team that the was Eagles? The, who's the team that's the Steelers from two years ago? Early, um, I, the, um, I, the Eagles actually. I actually like that because let's we'll see what let's see what James Cook does. Because if James Cook is like meh as a rookie for Buffalo. Like the Bills can just take B. John Robinson. Yeah, but I don't know if the Bills even get the opportunity to. If they're picking from thirty to thirty-two, he's not going to be there. I don't think he's going in the top twenty-five. Is he? I mean, right now, if you're if, not going to. But what did you just say? Like, I just said it, but doesn't mean that other GMs agree with it all the time. Well, he was. He it happens was, every year. He had a he had an underwhelming game one. Mm-hmm. He had an ineffective game two against a really good against Under- the number one okay. team. First of all, but he's under- been look he's look, he's been looking good in the air. He's had flashes. Underwhelming game one because of the whole. I think I seriously think they were just trying to keep him healthy. He had ten rushing attempts in game one against ULM. You I know, get they it, want but, to spur it but out. for but for like seventy yards, which is rush- two touchdowns. I know, I know, but we're used to seeing that's fancy production. We're used to seeing guys who coming from places like Wisconsin and. Ohio State right. and Alabama. I get like 30 carries Leonard Fournette, who we're talking about, who's like ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that's just not, I don't think that's Texas's style, though. It never will be. No, I know. And I th- I feel like it could affect stock a little bit. Yeah. No? Like just like where he's, a, where he's like a 25 to 32 guy instead of a, a reach at 17, only because we don't like people drafting running backs. You just can't. Really. You can't take a running back in the top 15. If you're picking in the top 15, you presumably need some sort of assistance in the line. I mean, what if the Commanders... Right? What yeah. if the Commanders ended up winning the NFC East this year? 
No, but because the, the guy that got shot, Robinson's going to be good. Yeah, we like him. And honestly, Antonio Gibson was fine. He actually did have a good week one. You know, the interesting thing uh, we mentioned, we're talking about Bama running backs, talking about uh, talking about Gibbs and what he did in the passing game. You take away that Jace McClellan run, which... Uh, thank you. This is a great uh, point. 75 yards. 81. 75 yards. 81, also, 81 yards. Alito kid. Sorry. Alito kid, which is unfortunate. Yeah. hate that he's on the Bama team. But that was yeah, a great John block. John and Gray should have uh, said what up to him and told him to come. To- yeah, right. Great block on the outside by that receiver, and it was kind of just like an inf- unfortunate hole that he hit where the DBs were just in the wrong position on our team, mm-hmm. and he was untouched. And I think if uh, – it's such a bummer because if that play doesn't happen, the rest of the game was so different than that. Like there were no other dynamic plays on Alabama's side besides that play. Everything else was contained. I mean, like Bryce Young, yeah, he threw that like 15, 20-yard touchdown pass. He had that run to set him up for the field goal. But we really did a great job of containing their their big plays. That was the their first drive out of the second out of second half or out of halftime, right? No, it no. was it was the that was their first drive out of halftime when no, they scored was, that big run. It was no, three no. three, and then it was then three three, happened. and then it was ten three because I went to use the lavatory quickly. It was in the first quarter. I was I dude, I missed it. I went to the bathroom and came out of the bathroom and everyone was like uh, down in the dumps like, oh no, here we go. Like we were playing so well. What happened was, so it was, it was three nothing and then Xavier dropped that pass in the end zone, Mm. which would have made it seven, three. Then we kicked the field goal to tie at three, three. And then they got the ball because we were, we were like, oh wow, that was a great drive by Quinn. He looked excellent. We dropped the pass. So we, we weren't up. Mm. giving them the ball back, and then that next play, after we had just tied it and it started the game off really well, he busted it. So hot take. If he doesn't run that touchdown in, I don't know if they're scoring another touchdown all game. Dude, there's like that play. We were that play in the slip slip sack. Like, if Watts just wraps him and tackles him. Yeah, it's easier said than done, though. Bryce Young made it. But you're talking about a whole, like, touchdown run. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, There's two plays that literally define the game. But I will say, I, I will say, I love that our defense wasn't completely demoralized. No, after they that play. They bounced back. Yeah, which they, is they, the they wanted the, a shot of redemption every time. That was like the most non-Texas mindset I've had, or everyone's had. It's a different year. I really do. I, I was. It's funny because Texas has this cloud completely over their head always right where people are just like oh that's the texas way oh texas is gonna find a way to blow it texas you know that's just how they are oh we're bad you know S- since the last game we played against bama that started it we it was like cur- it was a curse literally that's what it was right yeah and that's similar to how the chargers kind of are right now like people sure. are like how are the chargers gonna find a way to blow this game right Everyone always like one that. score lead up oh, like their quarterback's amazing but you know what their defense is gonna find a way to choke or their coach is gonna find a way to choke I saw a Chargers fan, not a Chargers fan, someone on NFL Network was like, the Chargers, you cannot tell me that the era of Phillip Rivers and the era with, you know, the, the, the 2009s to the 2017s, you can't talk about that anymore. You can't say that's the Chargers because this is a completely different team. That was over 10 years ago. That was over 15 years ago. Texas is a different team now. It's a different vibe. Well, they, 
These are it's a whole new class of players. We first got there, yeah, and coach, and coach. We first got there was Mac Brown. Best years, but Texas were behind him. He won the Natty, lost in the Natty in that major what if game against Bama, and at that point he was done. He had missed on a couple quarterbacks and it was over. Then Chuck Strong comes in, and while Chuck Strong underdelivered, he also probably was batting from behind the entire time. We'll leave it at that. Harmon comes in, and while I believe Harmon obviously really wanted it to work, and I don't think he was that bad, quite frankly. I mean, he won games. 7-3, and three, beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Be won games. It was more about Herman than it was about Texas. It was m- more about him and his first go than revitalizing and making this program not just good momentarily, but have a long effect. Yeah, well, we, bring, a <laughs> we bring in yeah, we bring in a guy. This is it. He's not getting another chance like this. He's not Sark. This is so you don't get it. You usually you usually don't get a chance like this. Period. And the fact that this is his second chance at a program like this, where he failed at USC in such a out of the box, embarrassing way, where this is also his shot at redemption this is, too. This is his second chance. It's his shot at redemption. It's it's his shot at redemption. It's our program shot at redemption. And he's the guy that knows what it's like to be kicked in the teeth or to shoot himself in the foot. And he's the guy that knows how to respond from that and grow back from that. And that's why I think he's the right guy for this job. I saw something on the field. I don't know if they showed this on the broadcast. You guys tell me if they did or not. Power squat? Power squat, yeah. Power squat. The shades. <laughs> when Auburn went to go kick the, the go-ahead field goal in the fourth quarter. It's a pretty deep field goal. What was it? 40, 48, nine, I think. Nine. 48, 49, 49 right? Yeah. His last kick was a miss, was the the three-yard line miss. No, he hit, he hit one in between. Okay, so he, he missed that one. He hit yeah. one in between, whatever. But I watched Sark have like a 30-second-long conversation with Auburn right before he were, were to walk out there and yeah. take the kick. Gave him a pat on the back and then literally shook his hand. And I can only imagine what the conversation said. It was probably something like, look, you missed that kick. Put it behind you. You missed this kick. You're my guy. You make this kick. You're my guy. Just go out there and do you. And the kid drilled it. And I yeah. think whatever Sark's, whatever he said to this kicker calmed him down and gave him the power to, to put it through the uprights. And look, I don't know if Sabin's the type of coach to go up to his kicker and have like an inspiring motivational talk and like shake his hand. Uh, I think he might. I think the handshake is a thing. Is a really interesting tidbit. I mean, words of affirmation are great, and we see it all the time, though. But did they, they did not show that in the broadcast. They, I didn't, they didn't. I mean, I, I don't, honestly, I think that. I in think most the handshake's si- interesting. In most situations, coaches aren't talking to their kickers. Kicking is such a mental game that any sort of communication yeah. right. could it's like when a pitcher's throwing a no hitter you try to like leave him alone yeah you let him you let him do their thing Which and i i am against i think that you let a guy be in his head for too long he's gonna tear himself apart he needs some normalcy so to, that's I think why it's the case by case right yeah and i think he knew i think that's when you it's a situation really you have to man up 
you have this is a this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and you have to man up and he treated him in that moment like when you think of a handshake you think of like it's like a it's like an adult manly thing yeah. like you're not a kid anymore right or you are a kid but this is the one instance where you can't be right like you can't be a kid anymore here and it's time for you to grow up I, i'm last thing i'll say and then i'll give you guys and we'll rock I just, my only concern and my biggest worry or my biggest hope, all of it compiled into one is we keep the foot on the gas and we just go boom, 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 UTSA, Tech, in Lubbock. And and that's not a game to bat your eye at. And neither is this UTSA game in West Virginia. And we get to OU a solid 4-1, continuing to play great defense. I believe we will. I think this team's going to play pissed off and we're just going to ride this motivation throughout the entire Big 12. Yeah, I'm I'm with Nick. Also, shout out to our punter really quickly who first couple punts didn't look great, but then he really started kicking it and He's getting into it and was sailing it over Kool-Aid's head and you really want to flip the field when you're playing against a team like Bama. So he also shout had out the, to Trejo. He mm-hmm. had the one the the punt that landed perfectly on the 1-yard line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a great game. I I agree with what Nick was saying about the Chargers, and I I have faith in this team that this is this year's team, and that they're not looking back at anything else, because I've only seen two games thus far, and I have no reason to doubt that. Yeah, the defense is like we've allowed twenty nine points in two games, which is crazy. Yep. One of those games being against Alabama. All right, we'll see you guys in a couple of days with Quan Cosby back in the mix. Maybe get a guest in there. Who knows? But the very worst, you'll be stuck with the four of us: Josh Fisher, Alexander Tsopos, DJ Nikki Snacks, Kreider from Boots on the Ground in Austin, Texas. This is the Talking Texas Horns Up podcast. Get your horns up, hook them. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.